Incidents of Travel in Central America, Chiapas, and Yucatan, Volume 2, by John Lloyd Steffens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. In the evening we made several visits, and late at night we were called to a conference by some friends of the cura, and on his behalf. His troubles were not yet over. On the day of our arrival he had received a peremptory order from the provesor to repair to Guatemala with notice that some proper person would be appointed in his place. We knew that the terms of the order afflicted the cura, for they implied that he was not a proper person. All Quetzaltenango, he said, could answer for his acts, and he could answer to God that his motives were only to prevent the effusion of blood. His house was all in confusion. He was packing up his books and furniture and preparing to obey the provisor's order. But his friends considered it was dangerous for him to go to Guatemala. At that place, they said, he would be under the eyes of Carrera, who, meeting him in an angry moment, might cut him down in the street. If he did not go, the provisor would send soldiers after him. Such was the rigor of church discipline. They wished him to fly the country, to go with us into Mexico. But he could not leave without a passport from Guatemala, and this would be refused. The reason of their unburdening themselves to us showed the helplessness of his condition. They supposed that I might have influence with the provisor, and begged me to write to Guatemala and state the facts as they were known to all Quetzaltenango. I had determined to take no part in the public or personal affairs of this unhappy revolution, but here I would not have hesitated to incur any trouble or risk to serve the cura could it have done him any good, but I knew the sensitiveness of the men in power, and believed that the provisor and the government would resent my interference. I proposed, however, to write to a friend who I knew stood well with the provisor, and request him to call upon that dignitary and state the facts as from me, and I suggested that he should send some friend to Guatemala expressly to see the provisor in person. Returned to a land of government and laws, I can hardly realize that so short a time since I was called in to counsel for the safety of a man of the cura's character and station. Relatively, the most respectable clergyman in our country does not stand higher than he did. The next morning we were invited to breakfast with another friend and counselor, and about as strange a one as myself, being the old lady who had sent the cura one hundred dollars before mentioned. The plan was discussed and settled, and in the course of the day two friends undertook to visit Guatemala on the cura's behalf. We intended that day to ascend the volcano of Quetzaltenango, but were disappointed in our guide. In the morning we made purchases and provisions for continuing our journey, and as one of our mules' backs was badly galled, we requested the gobernador to procure us Indian carriers. In the afternoon, in company with the corregidor, 
we rode to the warm springs of almolonga the road crosses a spur of the volcano and descends precipitously into a deep valley in which about a league distant stand the village and hot springs there is a good bathing-house at which we were not allowed to pay being considered the guests of the city outside in a beautiful natural reservoir indian men women and children were bathing together we returned by another road passing up a valley of extraordinary beauty and the theme of conversation was the happiness the country might enjoy but for wars and revolutions beautiful as it was all wished to leave it and seek a land where life was safe mexico or el norte toward evening descending the spur of the volcano we met several hundred indians returning from the ceremonies of the holy week and exceeding in drunkenness all the specimens we had yet encountered in one place a man and woman the latter with a child on her back were staggering so near the brink of a precipice that the corregidor dismounted and took the child from them and made them go before us into the town there was no place we had visited except ruined cities so unique and interesting and which deserved to be so thoroughly explored as quetzaltenango a month at least might be satisfactorily and profitably employed in examining the many curious objects in the country around for botanical researches it is the richest region in central america but we had no time even for rest i passed the evening in writing packing things to be sent to guatemala among others my quetzal which however never arrived and in writing letters one of which was on account of the cura and in which intending even if it fell into wrong hands to be out of the country myself i spoke in no measured terms of the atrocity committed by carrera chapter thirteen journey continued a mountain plain lost guides a trying moment aguas calientes a magnificent view gold ore san sebastiano quequetenango sierra madre a huge skeleton the ruins pyramidal structures a vault mounds a welcome addition interior of a mound vases ascent of the sierra madre buena vista the descent todos santos san martin san andres petapan a forest on fire suffering of the mules from swarms of flies san antonio de guista early in the morning our mules were saddled for the journey the gobernador and another friend of the cura came to receive parting instructions and set off for guatemala the indians engaged for us did not make their appearance and desirous to save the day we loaded the mules and sent juan and bobon forward with the luggage in a little while two women came and told us that our indians were in prison i accompanied them to two or three officials and with much difficulty and loss of time found the man having charge of them who said that finding we had paid them part of their hire in advance 
and afraid they would buy agua ardiente and be missing, he had shut them up the night before to have them ready, and had left word to that effect with one of the servants of the cura. I went with him to the prison, paid a shilling apiece for their lodging, and took them over to the convent. The poor fellows had not eaten since they were shut up, and, as usual, wanted to go home for tortillas for the journey. We refused to let them go, but gave them money to buy some in the plaza, and kept the woman and their chamars as hostages for their return. But we became tired of waiting. Mr. Catherwood picked up their chamars and threw them across his saddle as a guarantee for their following, and we set off. We had added to our equipments aguas de arma, being undressed goatskins, embroidered with red leather, which hung down from the saddle-bow to protect the legs against rain, and were now fully accoutred in Central American style. It was cold and wintry. We ascended and crossed a high plain, and at the distance of a league descended to a village, where we learned that Juan and Bobon had passed on some time before. Beyond this we ascended a high and rugged mountain, and on the top reached a magnificent plain. We rode at a brisk pace, and it was one o'clock before our jailbirds overtook us. By this time we were surprised at not overtaking our men with the luggage. We could not have passed them, for there was but one road. Since leaving the village we had not seen a single person, and at two o'clock we met a man with a loaded mule coming from Aguas Calientes, the end of our day's journey, who had not met them. Mr. Catherwood became alarmed, fearing that they had robbed us and run away. I was always careless with luggage, but never lost any, and was slow in coming to this belief. In half an hour we met another man, who told us that he had not seen them, and that there was no other road than the one by which he came. Since our apprehensions began, we had not been able to discover any tracks, but went on to within two leagues of our halting place, when we stopped and held one of the most anxious consultations that occurred in our whole journey. We knew but little of the men. Juan cheated us every day in the little purchases for the road, and we had detected him in the atrocity of keeping back part of the money we gave him to buy corn and sacate, and starving the mules. After a most unhappy deliberation, we concluded that they had broken open the trunks, taken out the money, thrown the rest of the contents down some ravine, mounted the mules, and made off. Besides money, beds, and bedding, these trunks contained all Mr. Catherwood's drawings, and the precious notebooks to which the reader is indebted for these pages. The fruits of all our labor were gone. In all our difficulties and perplexities, we never had a more trying moment. We were two leagues from Aguas Calientes. To go on, rouse the village, get fresh horses, and return in pursuit was our first idea. But this would widen the distance between us, and probably we should not be able to get horses. 
with hearts so heavy that nothing but the feeble hope of catching them while dividing the money kept us from sinking we turned back it was four o'clock in the afternoon neither our mules nor we had eaten anything since early in the morning night would be upon us and it was doubtful whether our mules would hold out our prisoners told us we had been very imprudent to let the men set out alone and took it for granted that they had not let slip the opportunity of robbing us as we rode back both mr c and i brooded over an apprehension which for some time neither mentioned to the other it was the letter i had written on behalf of the cura we should again be within reach of carrera if the letter by accident fell into his hands he would be indignant at what he considered my ingratitude and he could very easily take his revenge our plans however were made up at once we determined at all events not to go back to guatemala nor broken as we were in fortune and spirit to give up palenque but if possible to borrow money for the road even if we set out on foot but oh gloria eternal as the official bulletin said of carrera's victory on reaching the top of a mountain we saw the men climbing up a deep ravine on the other side we did not tell them our agony but had not gone far before the indians told all and they were not surprised or hurt how we passed them neither of us knew but another such a spasm would have put a period to our journey of life and from that time however tedious or whatever might be the inducements we resolved to keep by our luggage at dusk we reached the top of a high mountain and by one of those long steep and difficult descents of which it is impossible to give the reader any idea entered the village of aguas calientes it was occupied entirely by indians who gathered round us in the plaza and by the light of pine sticks looked at carrera's passport not one of them could read it but it was enough to pronounce the name and the whole village was put in requisition to provide us with something to eat the alcalde distributed the money we gave him and one brought sixpence worth of eggs another of beans another of tortillas another of lard another of candles and a dozen or more received sixpence apiece for sacate not one of them would bring anything until he had the money in hand a fire was kindled in the square and in process of time we had supper our usual supper of fried eggs beans tortillas and chocolate any one of them enough to disturb digestion in a state of repose with the excitement and vexation of our supposed loss made me ill the cabilda was a wretched shed full of fleas with a coat of dust an inch thick to soften the hard earthen floor it was too cold to sleep out of doors and there were no pins to hang hammocks on for in this region hammocks were not used at all we made inquiries with the view of hiring for the night the bedsteads of the principal inhabitants but there was not one in the village all slept on the bosom of mother earth 
and we had part of the family bed fortunately however and most important for us our mules fared well early in the morning we resumed our journey there are warm springs in this neighborhood but we did not go out of our way to visit them a short distance from the village we crossed a river and commenced ascending a mountain on the top we came upon a narrow table of land with a magnificent forest on both sides far below us the wind swept over the lofty height so that with our ponchos which were necessary on account of the cold it was difficult to keep the saddle the road was broken and stony and the track scarcely perceptible at about ten o'clock the whole surface of the mountain was a bare ridge of limestone from which the sun was reflected with scorching heat and the whiteness was dazzling and painful to the eyes below us on each side continued an immense forest of gigantic pines the road was perfectly desolate we met no travelers in four hours we saw on our left at a great distance below a single hacienda with a clearing around it seemingly selected for a magnificent seclusion from the convulsions of a distracted country the ridge was broken by gullies and deep ravines and we came to one across which by way of bridge lay the trunks of two gigantic pines my macho always pulled back when i attempted to lead him and i remained on his back and was carried steadily over but at the other end we started at a noise behind us our best cargo mule had fallen rolled over and hung on the brink of the precipice with her feet kicking in the air kept from falling to the bottom only by being entangled among bushes in a moment we scrambled down to her got her head turned up the bank and by means of strong halters heaved her out but she was bruised and crippled and barely able to stagger under her load continuing along the ridge swept by fierce blasts of wind we descended again to a river rode some distance along its bank and passed a track up the side of a mountain on the right so steep that i had no idea it could be our road and passed it but was called back it was the steepest ascent we had yet made in the country it was cruel to push my brave macho but i had been tormented all day with a violent headache and could not walk so i beat up making the best tacks i could and stopping every time i put about on the top broke upon us one of those grand and magnificent views which when we had wiped off perspiration and recovered breath always indemnified us for our toil it was the highest ground on which we had yet stood around us was a sea of mountains and peeping above them but so little as to give full effect to our own great height were the conical tops of two new volcanoes the surface was of limestone rock in immense strata with quartz in one piece of which we discovered a speck of gold here again in this vast wilderness of mountains deep in the bowels of the earth are those repositories of the precious ores for which millions upon millions all over the world are toiling bargaining 
craving and cheating every day continuing on this ridge we came out upon a spur commanding a view far below us of a cultivated valley and the village of san sebastiano we descended to the valley left the village on our right crossed the spur and saw the end of our day's journey the town of Tenango, situated on an extensive plain with a mild climate luxuriant with tropical productions surrounded by immense mountains and before us the great sierra madre the natural bulwark of central america the grandeur and magnificence of the view disturbed only by the distressing reflection that we had to cross it my macho brought up on the plains of costa rica had long seemed puzzled to know what mountains were made for and if he could have spoken he would have cried out in anguish hills peep over hills and alps on alps arise our day's journey was but twenty-seven miles but it was harder for man and beast than any sixty since we left guatemala we rode into the town the chief place of the last district of central america and of the ancient kingdom of quiche it was well built with a large church or plaza and again a crowd of mestizos were engaged in the favorite occupation of fighting cocks as we rode through the plaza the bell sounded for the oration or vesper prayers the people fell on their knees and we took off our hats we stopped at the house of don joaquim monte an old spaniard of high consideration by whom we were hospitably received and who though a centralist on account of some affair of his sons had had his house at chiantla plundered by carrera's soldiers his daughters were compelled to take refuge in the church and forty or fifty mules were driven from his hacienda in a short time we had a visit from the corregidor who had seen our proposed journey announced in the government paper and treated us with the consideration due to persons specially recommended by the government we reached Gueguetenango in a shattered condition our cargo mules had their backs so galled that it was distressing to use them and the saddle horse was no better off bobon in walking barefooted over the stony road had bruised the ball of one of his feet so that he was disabled and that night juan's enormous supper gave him an indigestion he was a tremendous feeder on the road nothing eatable was safe we owed him a spite for pilfering our bread and bringing us down to tortillas and were not sorry to see him on his back but he rolled over the floor of the corridor crying out uproariously so as to disturb the whole household foy morir foy morir i am going to die i am going to die he was a hard subject to work upon but we took him in hand strongly and unloaded him besides our immediate difficulties we heard of others in prospect in consequence of the throng of emigrants from guatemala towards mexico no one was admitted into that territory without a passport from ciudad real the capital of chiapas four or five days journey from the frontier 
the frontier was a long line of river in the midst of a wilderness and there were two roads a lower one but little travelled on account of the difficulty of crossing the rivers but at that time passable as we intended however at all events to stop at this place for the purpose of visiting the ruins we postponed our decision till the next day the next morning don joaquin told us of the skeleton of a colossal animal supposed to be a mastodon which had been found in the neighborhood some of the bones had been collected and were then in the town and having seen them we took a guide and walked to the place where they had been discovered on the borders of the rio chinaca about half a mile distant at this time the river was low but the year before swelled by the immense floods of the rainy season it had burst its bounds carried away its left bank and laid bare one side of the skeleton the bank was perpendicular about thirty feet high and the animal had been buried in the upright position besides the bones in the town some had been carried away by the flood others remained embedded in the earth but the impression of the whole animal from twenty-five to thirty feet long was distinctly visible we were told that about eight leagues above on the bank of the same river the skeleton of a much larger animal had been discovered in the afternoon we rode to the ruins which in the town were called las cuevas the caves they lie about half a league distant on a magnificent plain bounded in the distance by lofty mountains among which is the great sierra madre the site of the ancient city as at patinamit and santa cruz del quiche was chosen for its security against enemies it was surrounded by a ravine and the general character of the ruins is the same as at quiche but the hand of destruction has fallen upon it more heavily the whole is a confused heap of grass-grown fragments the principal remains are two pyramidal structures one of them measures at the base one hundred and two feet the steps are four feet high and seven feet deep making the whole height twenty-eight feet they are not of cut stone as at copan but of rough pieces cemented with lime and the whole exterior was formerly coated with stucco and painted on the top is a small square platform and at the base lies a long slab of rough stone apparently hurled down from the top perhaps the altar on which human victims were extended for sacrifice the owner of the ground a mestizo whose house was near by and who accompanied us to the ruins told us that he had bought the land from indians and that for some time after his purchase he was annoyed by their periodical visits to celebrate some of their ancient rites on the top of this structure this annoyance continued until he whipped two or three of the principal men and drove them away at the foot of the structure was a vault faced with cut stone in which were found a collection of bones and a terracotta vase then in his possession the vault was not long enough for the body of a man extended and the bones must have been separated before they were placed there the owner believed that these structures contained interior apartments with hidden treasures 
and there were several mounds supposed to be sepulchres of the ancient inhabitants which also he had no doubt contained treasure the situation of the place was magnificent we had never before enjoyed so good an opportunity of working and agreed with him to come the next day and make excavations promising to give him all the treasure and taking for my share only the skulls vases and other curiosities the next morning before we were up the door was thrown open and to our surprise we received a salutation in english the costume of the stranger was of the country his beard was long and he looked as if already he had made a hard morning's ride to my great surprise and pleasure i recognized pauling whom the reader will perhaps remember i had seen as superintendent of a cochineal hacienda at amatitan he had heard of our setting out for mexico and disgusted with his occupation and the country had mounted his horse and with all he was worth tied on behind his saddle pushed on to overtake us on the way he had bought a fine mule and by hard riding and changing from one animal to the other had reached us in four days he was in difficulty about a passport and was anxious to have the benefit of mine in order to get out of the country offering to attach himself to me in any capacity necessary for that purpose fortunately my passport was broad enough to cover him and i immediately constituted him the general manager of the expedition the material of which was now reduced to juan sick and but one cargo mule sound at nine o'clock attended by three men and a boy with machetes being all we could procure at so short a notice we were again among the ruins we were not strong enough to pull down a pyramid and lost the morning in endeavouring to make a breach in one of the sides but did not accomplish anything in the afternoon we opened one of the mounds the interior was a rough coat of stones and lime and after an hour's digging we came to fragments of bones and the two lower vases in the plate opposite the first of the two was entire when we discovered it but unfortunately was broken in getting it out though we obtained all the pieces it is graceful in design the surface is polished and the workmanship very good the last was already broken and though more complicated the surface is not polished the tripod at the top of the engraving is a copy of the vase before referred to found in the tomb which i procured from the owner of the land it is twelve inches in diameter and the surface is polished we discovered no treasure but our day's work was most interesting and we only regretted that we had not time to explore more thoroughly in the meantime don joaquim had made arrangements for us and the next morning we resumed our journey we left behind a mule a horse and bobon and were reinforced by pauling well mounted and armed with a pair of pistols and a short double-barreled gun slung to his saddle-bow and santiago a mexican fugitive soldier juan was an interesting invalid mounted on a mule and the whole was under escort of a respectable old muleteer 
who was setting out with empty mules to bring back a load of sugar. At a short distance from the village, we commenced ascending the Sierra Madre. The first range was stony, and on top of it we came upon a cultivated plain, beyond which rose a second range, covered with a thick forest of oak. On the top of this range stood a cross. The spot was called Buena Vista, or Fine View, and commanded a magnificent expanse of mountains and plains, five lakes and two volcanoes, one of which, called Tajamulco, our guide said was a water volcano. Beyond this rose a third range. At some distance up was an Indian rancho, at which a fine little boy thrust his face through a bush fence and said adios to every one that passed beyond was another boy to whom we all in succession said adios but the surly little fellow would not answer one of us on the summit of this range we were almost on a level with the tops of the volcanoes as we ascended the temperature grew colder and we were compelled to put on our ponchos at half-past two we reached the top of the sierra madre the dividing line of the waters being twelve miles from Gegetenango, and in our devious course making the second time that we had crossed the sierra the ridge of the mountain was a long level table about half a mile wide with rugged sides rising on the right to a terrific peak riding about half an hour on this table by the side of a stream of clear and cold water which passed on carrying its tribute to the pacific ocean we reached a miserable rancho in front of which the arriero proposed to encamp as he said it would be impossible to reach the next village at a distance it was a glorious idea that of sleeping on the top of the sierra madre and the scene was wild enough for the most romantic imagination but being poorly provided against cold we would have gladly exchanged it for an indian village end of section fifteen